Welcome back to The Bellwether. I'm Mark Chisano with Newsday Opinion. We're in our third episode here, looking at two very important congressional races featuring Republican incumbents on Long Island. We've talked mostly about the challengers so far, particularly Luba Gretchen Shirley, who's running against Republican Pete King. And we've talked about some reasons why the challengers might have a wind behind their backs this year. Good fundraising, high Democratic enthusiasm, anger against President Donald Trump, and hardworking candidates. But even if the challengers run a good race, or even a perfect race, it might not be enough. Part of that is because there's real support for King. He's a lawmaker with a national reputation and deep community roots. Here's Mike Kaplan, a Republican consultant based in D.C. and on Long Island, describing the walkthroughs that Republican committee men and women tend to do on weekends. Massapequa has a number of executive areas. It's Massapequa South, Massapequa, I think North Massapequa has an area, uh, Massapequa Park has an area. And those committee men and women come together, usually on a Saturday morning, and it's a literature drop. They walk uh, through all the their election districts in their community, that's their jurisdiction, and they will drop a piece of literature on every Republican registered Republican households, sometimes independent households, registered independents, I should say, sometimes blanks uh, that aren't affiliated with the party, basically anybody who's not a Democrat, registered Democrat, or a working families party member. Kaplan grew up on Long Island and volunteered for King back in 2006. He ultimately went on to work at the National Republican Congressional Committee and now does opposition research for Republican candidates, but not King. Kaplan makes the case that besides a couple of counterexamples since 1980, the majority of Long Island's congressional seats have been won by people with government experience. Well, I think the general dynamics of the campaign is almost the inverse of what her argument has been this entire cycle. She tries to use his uh, 25 years in Congress as a motivator for her when it really, if anything, is a motivator for him. But everyone else has been a county legislator, a county executive, a district attorney. King was county controller. Uh, so Long Island really kind of belies this whole notion of you need an outsider candidate. History has shown Long Islanders don't really go for that. They like people that they know. That even holds true for someone like Thomas Downey, who won a seat in Congress in the 70s in the second CD at age 25. But even at that tender age, he had already been a Suffolk County legislator. Another New York Republican consultant gave a different reason house races are hard for outsiders. It's hard to build a big war chest with caps of $2,700 per donor per cycle. Challengers have all sorts of built-in difficulties like this. And then in New York's second congressional district, there's King, who's very entrenched, very successful, and very well-liked. Part of the appeal is that he has good relations with other local officials, even Democrats. Exhibit A, the story of the Bethpage Plume. The story of the plume is not exactly a happy story, or a settled one. It starts decades ago, in an industrial site in Nassau County, operated at various times by the U.S. Navy and Grumman. The area covered hundreds of acres, and the Navy and Grumman made airplanes there, and even did work for the Apollo Lunar Program. Unfortunately, there was also pollution. All that shiny metal got cleaned off by the degreaser trichloroethylene, or TCE. Over the years, some of that TCE seeped underground. 
Unfortunately, Long Island gets all of its drinking supply from groundwater. Also unfortunately, TCE is a likely carcinogen. The battles over cleanup have gone on for years and are not close to being over. That's the context for freshman congressman and Democrat Tom Swasey's attempt to get even a little bit of money to clean the plume. He's in the district next to King's. I rise today to speak in support of a bipartisan amendment that I'm offering with Congressman Peter King and Congressman Paul Cook. The amendment number 10 under the rule is to Division A of the Defense Appropriations Bill. This is Swazi speaking on the House floor in July 2017. The plume is in his district, and he's definitely got to do something about it now that he's in Congress. He's trying to get some money in the Defense Appropriations Bill. These were military planes being built on Long Island, after all. In my district, for almost four decades, the people of Bethpage and the surrounding areas have been dealing with an environmental crisis. Groundwater pollution stemming from the Navy and defense contractor activity has resulted in an underground plume of contaminated water that is moving south through Long Island's sole source of drinking water toward Congressman King's district. While costly remediation efforts ensure the water is safe to consume, it doesn't change the fact that residents deserve to have this site cleaned up before it spreads any further. Swazi was trying to get a couple dozen million in funding to deal with environmental issues around the country, including the plume. I mean, you'd think this small fraction of the budget would be the least the federal government could do. Enter partisan politics. So he called me, very concerned from the House floor, because when it was coming up for a vote, suddenly they didn't want to give a victory to a Democratic freshman. That was, that was the bottom line of it. That's King on the phone remembering the plume vote last year. Everything had seemed like it was going okay. Bipartisan push, obvious issue. But that's where we are these days with congressional politics. King says Republicans didn't want to give a victory to Swazi, the new Democratic kid. Believe me, I've seen that on both sides. I've been there when Republicans would actually have amendments or have bills, and if the Democrats are in charge, they take your name off it and put their name on it, as it if they wanted to go through. Yeah, you don't want to give a victory to the other side. I, I don't play that game, but that was, uh, that, yeah, that's what that was all about. So King comes down to help out. If you're watching the moment on C-SPAN, that's July 27, 2017, you can see him, or at least his silver hair, in the center of the well talking to other members. Swazi's doing it too, trying to convince enough of his new friends in Congress. This goes on for a while. Again, if you're watching on C-SPAN, there's lots of milling around and chaos. And there's so much milling that C-SPAN even cuts to some classical music. And other more prominent news of the day, like Trump's attempt to ban transgender individuals from the military. You know, just the usual. All the while, the Long Islanders are trying to get even a little bit of money for an important environmental issue. Finally, on this vote, the yeas are 214, the nays are 211. is adopted. House will come to order. House will come to order. 25 Republicans joined 189 Democrats to pass the amendment. King said that Swazi did some good wrangling. But King's reputation and his ties helped too. There are lots of stories like this about times King has helped out or crossed the partisan divide for New York. 
In 2017, King was ranked 10th in the whole house in bipartisanship by the Luger Center McCourt School Bipartisan Index out of Georgetown. In the two years before, he was number one. Here's some greatest hits of King reaching across the aisle in sort of reverse chronological order. He strongly opposed the controversial Republican tax bill of 2017. That's a bill that could be brutal for many taxpayers in high state and local tax New York. He fought hard to continue the Zadroga Act, which gave medical benefits to 9-11 first responders. Sometimes he went against members of his own party who were being tight-fisted. His advocacy got him the long-term support of Mayor Mike Bloomberg of New York City, who fundraised for King literally this year, even while he gave millions of dollars to help Democratic congressional candidates. Then there's the long history between King and the Clintons. Early in his career, Republican leadership thought King was a real renegade because of his out-of-the-mainstream positions on Irish independence. Seriously out of the mainstream. King was so sympathetic to the cause that one profile noted that in the mid-80s, he was thrown out of a Belfast courtroom during the murder trial of IRA men. It was because, in the judge's view, quote, he was an obvious collaborator with the IRA, end quote. But by the 90s, King's Irish expertise was actually helpful, and he built a friendship with President Clinton partially by working with him on the Irish peace process. Here's how King describes it in his thinly fictionalized novel, Deliver Us From Evil, a suspense story about the murder of an IRA informant. King's alter ego says to Clinton, you're my friend, and Mr. President, I'll always be there for you. Seems like the affection was pretty real on both sides. King was one of few Republicans to vote against Clinton's impeachment. Meanwhile, Clinton stumped on Long Island in a relatively tight election in 2006, but he never mentions King's Democratic opponent. Oh, and Bill blurred that novel. Over more than 25 years in Congress, King has had plenty of time to build friendships with both sides. On Capitol Hill, you have, um, there's a really well-known bar, the Delbert Bar. This is Erin King-Sweeney, King's daughter and a Hempstead town councilwoman. And um, how many nights, you know, we would go for dinner there, um, and at the table, I mean, any given day, it would be dad with a bunch of um, Boston Democrats hanging out, um, just enjoying each other's company, figuring out how they're going to bring peace to Northern Ireland without regard to who's conservative, who's liberal, any of that stuff. King Sweeney says she remembers sitting at the bar with her father when she was in D.C. This was back when she was interning there in the 90s. All these Boston Democrats were there, too, maybe nursing a Guinness, getting along. You know, people would come and go, and obviously they'd have to run off to, to go, um, you know, take, take a vote if, um, you know, they, they would get their phone calls. you got to run back to get a vote. But, you know, people get stuff done, and, and friendships established, and, you know, goodwill established. And so, you know, what, what might not necessarily be important to you in New York is important to a guy in Alaska or important to a guy, you know, outside of Boston. And you get to know people on a different level and I give a greater appreciation for some of the complexity of the issues that the country faces. That's the bipartisan image that King has benefited from for a long, long time. The kind of image that makes a crucial independent or undecided voter say, well, he's not a Republican like those Republicans. But there are a number of hot-button issues where King has drawn serious ire from Democrats and others. Chief among them are law enforcement and security issues, like the fight against terrorism. I'm originally from Kashmir. 
which is another story in itself, all the trials and tribulations of Kashmir. This is Dr. Farooq Khan, first-generation immigrants in Nassau County. He also formed a relationship with King. There were a lot of atrocities going on in Kashmir, so I said, I need to share this with my congressman. And it turned out uh, Congressman Peter King was, had just been elected, I think it was 92 or 93, somewhere there. And I made an appointment, went to see him in Massapequa in his office. He was very warm, very receptive. And I shared with him the background of what's going on in Kashmir. And he was very supportive. He said, I understand and I'll do what I can. Now, so that was my first interaction with him. It was the first of various interactions with King over the years. Khan was a successful doctor, at one point the chief of medicine for a NASA hospital, and he would visit King in his D.C. office. King attended his son's wedding. Khan even raised money for King in his living room, adorned with souvenirs from Kashmir. Right, <laughs> he was sitting over there. In that chair. Very friendly, very warm, very receptive, very friendly. I mean, all politicians are very friendly when you invite them to fundraisers, but <laughs> you could see, and he, and he followed up. Khan and a few other Muslim immigrants helped found the Islamic Center of Long Island in the 90s, and King went to that too. But things changed after 9-11. King's district was hit hard. Many constituents were killed in the attacks. And though he originally defended Muslims, he soon had a falling out with Khan and Khan's mosque. At the center of the dispute was an event where a member of the mosque said, who really benefits from such a horrible tragedy that is blamed on Muslims and Arabs? That's a quote from a Newsday article about the event, in which a mosque leader also says that Israel would benefit. Khan says he spoke out against talk like this, which would be fitting. Even to this year, he's working on an interfaith institute at the Islamic Center, an issue he has taken up before. It wasn't enough for King. I was so disappointed with all of those guys, including Khan. This is the kind of argument that King would repeat in the lead-up to his controversial hearings on Muslim radicalization in 2011. Muslims not acting like good citizens. King was chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, and he used the position to refocus national attention on radicalization after high-profile cases involving Muslims on U.S. soil. For example, there was the attempted bombing in Times Square in 2010. Heading into the hearings, he made controversial statements and statements with little backup, including that the vast majority of mosques were run by extremists. King says the hearings raised important issues about a problem in the Muslim community, and he calls them, quote, one of the best things I did in Congress, end quote. But it certainly wasn't a bipartisan moment. It put King in a slot with an enduring section of the Republican right. I'm saddened. I'm saddened by his uh, complete... I don't know whether it was him or his party that decided to take that approach that Muslim bashing was, uh, what's the right word? You could win some points by bashing the Muslims and uh, sound and act tough and win some votes. Khan is a registered Republican, by the way, though he votes differently now. In fact, King might have been the last national Republican he voted for. He says he never saw King again after 9-11. On Khan's point about winning votes, those hearings were years ago now, but Republicans have been focusing on terrorism and Muslim terrorism ever since, in campaign after campaign. 
in a lot of ways, making it a partisan issue. Obviously, that includes Donald Trump, who originally called for a shutdown of Muslims entering the country during the 2016 campaign. Then he threw airports into havoc last year when he issued a presidential executive order to temporarily halt immigration from seven predominantly Muslim countries. King supported Trump's executive order, one of the first issues that riled up Democrats once Trump became president. And the executive order was the subject of a protest outside King's Massapequa Park office. That protest was in part organized by no other than Luba Gretchen Shirley, then his constituent, now his challenger. 